Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Prepare me a temple, says the Lord, and I'll fill it. Prepare me a habitation, says the Lord, and I'll be there. Prepare me a place where I can show myself strong and move among you as my own people, and I will move, says the Lord. For this is the time, this is the place, this is the hour, this is the time the world has been waiting to see when God would come on the scene, when the Spirit of the Lord would move upon people all across the land and fill them with gladness and fill them with joy and heal their bodies and deliver them from bondage and set captives free. This is the time of the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your Bible this morning to the 22nd chapter of Acts. And we're going to read verse 14, but then we're going to go to the Lord in prayer before we do that. So go ahead and find Acts 22:14. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and love and kindness. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the presence that we experience when we come together, your divine presence. Oh, we honor you and glorify you, Father. Praise God. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Father, today as we open the word of God to feed on it, Lord, that the spirit who is the author of this word will rise up on the inside of us, live big in us and reveal the truth to us and speak to our hearts and give direction and illumination to our hearts and to our lives. We thank you for it, Father. And we're reminded today as we pray to lift up all those who are in authority over us in this country and in our state and in our uh, county and city, all officials, all of those who have authority. Father, that you would bless them. Glory to God that you would bless our nation. Father, that you would uh, cause our leaders to have a heart toward you and to do the right thing, Father, and to pass laws and make decisions and judgments and so forth, Father, that would honor your word, that would honor the morality of the scriptures, of the word of God, basic godly values, Father, that they would make decisions that would help our nation and lead us forward, Father. Glory to God for the church's sake, that there'll be an atmosphere and a climate of revival in our nation and hunger for you, Father, that people will turn their hearts towards you all across our land, Father, and call on your name and be born again and filled with the spirit and delivered and set free. Father, we pray these things for the sake of the church. Glory to God and for all men, for you're not willing that any perish, but that all come to salvation and repentance. And Father, we thank you for it. We call it done in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Have you found Acts 22? Praise the Lord. Verse number 14 says, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. And then turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians and go to the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And we'll read together verse 17. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Notice, first of all, we've read that God has chosen us 
that we should know his will. This verse tells us again, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then go back to Romans, the 12th chapter. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we wanna have three witnesses to this truth. Romans chapter 12, in verse number two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discern, that's what that word means, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Last week, we introduced this subject of knowing God's will and hearing God's voice, and we made the statement that God wants you to know his will. It's his will that you know his will. And he's not hiding his will from anybody. The will of the Lord is not difficult to discern. Even though a lot of people seem to have a difficulty in discerning it, it is not difficult to discern. It's just that folks haven't been taught. And there are a lot of traditions in the area of how people uh, think they are to discern the will of God that we have to overcome. And, uh, but we'll just start out by saying God has a plan for your life. He wants you to know what it is. Amen. Isn't that right? The Bible says that each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. If you remember that Jesus and the parable of the talents, he taught that people are given certain gifts and abilities and he has a plan for people's lives and when, he's, when he comes back, when Jesus comes back, he's gonna wanna know what you did with those talents, what you did with those gifts, what you did with those abilities. What did you do in fulfilling his plan for your life? I didn't know your plan will not be a good excuse. He won't be interested. You know, I was talking to a young lady at, at the gas station not long ago, and I asked her, you know, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, no, and I asked her, if, are you saved? Are you born again? She said, yes, I am, I know I am. I, you know, she gave a testimony that she was saved. And I said, well, where do you go to church? She said, well, I don't go to church, I don't have time. She said, I work here all the time. I work seven days a week. I don't remember what she said, but she said, I work all the time. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, you still need to be in church. You need to make time. And she, she started giving me her schedule. I said, well, you can come Sunday night. She said, you were off. You only work Sunday during the day. You can come. Well, she gave some other excuse. And, you know, as I drove away, I was thinking about it. I, I thought to myself, now she really is saved. She's gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ and she's gonna say, I just didn't have time, Lord, to obey you. And, and I don't think that's gonna be a good uh, defense. No. No, we, we have to find out God's will for our lives and do it. Amen. Obey his plan for our life. Fulfill his plan. Run the race that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Now, most people are looking the wrong way for direction in life. They're looking to the wrong things. They're looking, uh, uh, trying to, to discern the will of God the wrong way. And it's, and it's widely, uh, it, it's, it's widespread. The, the ways, the unscriptural ways that people try to discern the will of God, there are many of these ways and they're widespread. They're everywhere. They're even in the church. Amen. The, primarily, people look to circumstances. 
Now, it's funny, people in the world don't do this so much unless they're really already religious. But basically, people who are unsaved, who don't have any thoughts for God, they're really not trying to discern the will of God. And so they just go through life trying to deal with things as they pop up, you know, as things happen. They just, you know, just put, put out one fire after another, you know. That's how most people live. Just go from event to event, just trying to cope, you know. And, uh, but then someone will witness to them and they'll, they'll be convicted. They'll receive Christ as their savior, start going to church. And right away, the, 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 the messages that are preached and taught in the church uh, communicates to them that God is in control of their life. How many times you heard, heard that or maybe seen a bumper sticker? God is in control. And the idea is that God's running everything. And so suddenly these people who outside the church never thought God was involved in everything, suddenly they think God, everything that happens is God. You know, uh, something will happen, you know, that, that's not what they want. And, and religious people will say, well, see, that's just, that God's just trying to show you something. He's just trying to move. You know, for instance, you're, 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 maybe you're going to apply for a job. And uh, so you get ready for this interview. You go out and you get in your car, turn the key, the battery's dead. Well, the religious explanation is, we'll see there, God didn't want you to get that job. He didn't want you to have that job, so he did that. And, and, you know, people go from not having any thoughts about God to suddenly thinking God's involved in everything that happens. You know, if you open these doors and looked out on the highway, if the next car that comes flying by there is a blue car, there's not a reason for that. <laughs> God didn't pick out that color and that make of that automobile. Well, you say that's ridiculous. Well, it isn't really ridiculous, any more ridiculous than what people think. In other words, God, most people would agree, religious people, well, no, you know, God didn't ordain that car. Unless it runs into your car, then God ordained it. Well, God, you know, how many times you heard people say, well, I just believe everything happens for a reason. Now, the translation of that, now, Actually, it is true, everything does happen for a reason when things happen to you. There's a reason, and it's usually right here. It's what you've said, what you've confessed. But, but uh, they'll say, well, everything happens for a reason. What they mean by that is that everything that happens is divine providence. That, uh, you know, something bad happens or something, usually it's the bad thing. When it's the good things, the, the preachers are usually say, now what, now look out, now even the devil can do good things. <laughs> Isn't that right? And I worked with a man one time and I was witnessing to him, you know, we worked together and sharing and, and we started talking about God's healing power and God's will to heal. He said, you have to be real careful, even the devil can heal. I said, really, since when? <laughs> Amen. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But anyway, religious people will think, you know, if something good happens, well, you better be real careful because it might not be God. But if something bad happens, well, you know, God knows what he's doing. Everything has a reason. And they take, you know, Romans 8 where it says, 
uh, all things work together for good to those who love God. They take that one verse out of its setting and out of its context and make it say something it doesn't say. And if you, if you look at that verse, that's not our text today, but if, when you go home, look at it, Romans 8, 28, I think. Uh, it's in the context of prayer. And see, if you're a praying Christian, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit, like the verses before that, verse 26 and verse 27, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to give you utterance and you're praying with the power of the Spirit, yeah, everything does work together for your good. But if you're just going through life, you know, as a, as a bonehead Christian, you know, just a, a, a thick-headed, you know, just uh, religious, a lot of bad things can happen to you simply because you didn't know the word of God and you didn't exercise your faith. Amen. So, you know, a lot of times people are, are they look to the world and to circumstances and things around them to try to uh, discern what the will of the Lord is. Well, you know, I, I wanted that job, but my, my battery was dead. So, you know, the Lord's trying to keep me from getting that, getting that job. I was gonna sell my house, but the sale didn't go through. So the Lord didn't want me to sell that house to that person. Maybe he wants me to hold on to it. I have to pray some more. You know, and everything that happens. But like I heard a preacher say uh, just recently, and I thought it was real good. He said, the only way that everything that happens to me is of God, the only way that could be true is if everything I've ever done was of God. Isn't that right? Because there's a little uh, a principle in the Bible that says you reap what you sow. So if everything that happens to me is God's will, then I would have had to have always done God's will. And I don't think anybody here would be courageous enough to stand up and say, Pastor, I just want to declare, declare that I've, everything I've ever done has been the will of God. No, nobody would do that. No, uh, that's just not the way it works. God doesn't lead by these methods. Que Sarah Sarah. What will be, will be. Now, you young people won't know what I'm talking about, but I call that the gospel according to Doris Day. <laughs> The young folks are looking at that, what? Doris Day was an actress. Back in the 60s, she had a TV program, a, a show, and a comedy show, and uh, the Doris Day show, I think. And the intro song, she sang, Que sera, sera, what will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. Que sera, sera. So I call this the gospel according to Doris Day. What will be, and you know, you laugh about it, but Astra Angela and I were talking about it this week. We've been pastoring for 30 years, this church for 30 years, and I've taught along these lines consistently for 30 years. We still hear people in our own congregation saying, well, I guess it was just meant to be. Que sarah, sarah. That's not scriptural. You can't discern the will of God. You, you can't discern whether something was meant to be. Yet when somebody says, well, I guess it was just meant to be, you know what their evidence is? It happened. That's the only evidence they have that it was meant to be is that it happened. Well, on that criteria, everything that in the world that happens. No, that's not the way it works. God has a better way of revealing his will and 
directing us and guiding us and showing us his plan for our lives than maneuvering and manipulating everything around us. You think about it. If God was really doing that, just one person, if this man right here, if God was working everything that he encounters all day, you know, on the job and when he's home and when he's out, you know, shopping or whatever he's doing, if everything that happens to him, God is orchestrating that. Now multiply that times how many, six billion people? I mean, God would be like this marionette, you know, strings. I mean, he'd just be... Crazy things would be happening in your life. I mean, all kind of nutty things because the, the things that God's doing in somebody else's life is gonna conflict with what he's doing in your life. I mean, you, you'd just be bouncing around everybody like this. It's not the way it works. God has a better way. He doesn't control everything. If he controlled everything, everybody'd get saved. He's not in control of everything. He's only in control to the degree that you put your faith out in his word that he will work in your life. Then he will. I'm not saying that God doesn't uh, uh, change things and God doesn't influence things and God doesn't cause things to happen for the believer. He absolutely does when you believe his word. And when you're in faith and you're praying these things out in the spirit, yes, God will work miraculously in your life. Hallelujah. But God has a way of revealing his will to us. That way is by his spirit. Amen. Go with me to uh, John 16. John 16. Hallelujah. Praise God. Tell you what, go there and hold your place and then go on over to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. We're gonna look at both of these. We looked at them briefly last week, but I, there's some more here that the Lord wants us to see. Romans, we'll read Romans 8 first. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led. Now, how many would that be? Everybody. For as many as are led. Everyone who are led by the Spirit of God, all the, or you can say it like this, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So that's saying that, that only sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Is that what that says? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, all those who are led by the, by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So then... God's not leading anybody by his spirit except his sons. Is that what that says? Yeah. That tells me that God has a unique way of leading us that is not available to the world. He leads his own in ways that, that the world doesn't have access to. You following me? He, he has a way of leading his children. He doesn't lead unbelievers by his spirit. He, he leads believers, his own children. Anybody in this world can be led by circumstances. Anybody can. But God has a better way. 
See, the Spirit of God will lead his children in a way that is consistent with himself. He is a spirit. God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. And so he's going to lead us spiritually, not naturally. Like I said, any unsaved person can be led by natural circumstances. And too often, Christians attempt to be led by the natural. They're looking to the natural realm when God is a spirit. Amen. For as many as are led by the spirit, all those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Now, go over to John 16. We're gonna see this in another sense. Actually see the same thing in another verse here. John 16, verse number 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Hallelujah. I tell you what, uh, go over to John 14. I, I want to read this one first. John 14. Look at John 14. It, Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16 several different times. And each time he revealed something uh, important to us. So let's back up to John 14 and look at verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now notice, whom the world cannot receive because the world neither sees him nor knows him. That's why the world can't be led by the Spirit. Because they neither see him nor know him. God has a way, I'm going to say it again, of leading his own. A unique way, it's unique to us who are believers. It's not available to the world. Well, then why would we then try to look where the world looks for direction? Why would we try to discern the, uh, the will of God the way the world would try to discern the will of God or, or the way the natural mind would lead us to discern the will of God? No, he said the world cannot receive the Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. <laughs> Glory to God. Now let's go over. We won't read what he said in chapter 15, maybe later, but chapter 16. Let's, let's go back up to verse number seven. Chapter 16, verse seven. This is John 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now think about that. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said here that it's 
it's of greater advantage to you to have the spirit with you than to have me with you. Did I read that right? He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because if I do not go away, the helper will, will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying that it's more important to have the spirit leading you than it is to have Jesus sitting next to you in the flesh in church. These disciples had the master walking with them every day. They ate with him. They lived with him. They talked to him. He talked to them. He was their need meter. He was the one who provided everything they needed. Every, every time they needed wisdom, they went to him. He, he had the wisdom they needed. If they had a question, he had the answer. If they were hungry, he could break the bread and feed the multitudes. And he said, it's more important that you have the Holy Spirit than, than to have me here in the flesh. I, I don't know, but I would like to have seen the expression on the disciples' face if they understood what he was saying. Probably this look of, 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 of amazement and wonder. How could that be? He said uh, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And now notice verse 12. This is what we started to read. He said, I still have many things to say to you. Here's why. Here's why Jesus said it was more important for him to go. Think about all the things Jesus had already said to them. We have recorded in the Gospels all the things that Jesus said to, this, to the disciples, at least all that the Spirit wants us to know. Think about the three and a half years they lived with him, all the things he taught them, all the truths that he revealed to them, all the signs and wonders that were done before them, all of the parables that he gave and then in private gave them privately the interpretation that he didn't give to others. Think how privileged they were. We would think among ourselves, oh, it would have been just so glorious. I would have given anything to have been one of the disciples and lived in those days and actually walked with the master and, and, and was one of those in the inner circle like Peter, James, and John. I would love to have gone up to the, into the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, if I could have just been one of them, how glorious that would be. Well, there's a lot of truth in that, but he said, Jesus said, it's more important that I go away and send the comforter to you he said, because I have many things yet to say to you. Jesus had reached a place where he couldn't tell them anymore. There were, if, if I come up to this man before service and I say, uh, Robert, uh, see me after church, I have something to tell you. There's something I need to say to you. He's gonna wanna know what that is. I if, if, he, if he comes around after service and he finds me and I just say, I just wanted to say good morning. God bless you. He's gonna say, huh? You, you don't tell somebody, uh, I have something to tell you unless it's important. If it's, you know, how are you? You know, and it's good to see you. You'd have just said that. No, Jesus said, I have many things yet to say to you 
but I cannot say them now because you cannot bear them. Famous movie line, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's what he said, is you can't handle it. That's why he had to leave because there was one coming after him who would reveal these things to us. See, they had to be born again. They had to experience a change. It wasn't enough to have the spirit with them. He said, you know him for he's with you, but he's gonna be in you. That's how you're gonna learn these many things I've yet to say to you. It's because you're gonna be born again so that the spirit can move from with you to in you so that you can understand the things that I have yet to say to you. Sort of reminds me of our vision. The Lord Jesus said to the apostle Paul, I will make you a minister and a witness of the things which you've seen and of the things that I will yet reveal to you. See, there, there's more than we know. There, there's more information. There's more wisdom. The, still today, this statement partially is true. We are now able to bear it, but there are still yet things that he wants to say to us. Isn't that right? Yeah, because he goes on to say, right in the next verse, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Like I said last week, a guide, if you're gonna, if, if you go to a, a museum, uh, we went to the Smithsonian uh, Museum of, what was it, natural? Which one we went to? Went to several of them. Museum of Natural Science and History. We go to that? Yeah. Went to several of them, Smithsonian's. There are guides in there. And they'll, and, and they'll take you around. They take groups. When you walk in the door, they don't just give you a pamphlet and say, this explains everything. Here, just take off. I mean, you can go, you can go on, on your own if you want to. But, but you're not going to get it. You're not, gonna, you're not going to appreciate what you see if you don't have more explanation. And the guide goes with you and he explains things along the way. He takes you from one area of the museum into another area of the museum and he explains what you're seeing. He's a guide. He doesn't, like I said, he doesn't stand at the door and give you a real thick notebook, you know, of about 200 pages saying, this explains what's in the museum, take off. No, God won't do you that way either. He sent a guide to walk with you, to live in you, and to show you the way every day and point out points of interest along the way. Amen. Explain what's going on. This involves these many things. Jesus said that I have to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. Well, thank God we're now in a position where we can bear them, but we still have to depend on the one he said he would send to show us these things. And that's what he says in the next verse. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. That's progressive. That's step by step. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. 
Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Oh, yes, it is. If he wills to show us. And he does. Now, he's not going to show you everything to come. He'll just show you what you need to know when you need to know it. But he's capable of showing you everything. Aren't you glad he exercises restraint? Yeah. Because if he showed us everything, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We would get it in a mess. We would try, to, if we knew everything that God wanted to do and everything that was gonna happen, we'd start working and we'd just, we'd just get everything fouled up. But he will tell us things to come. He will show us the way. Hallelujah, that's what the Spirit does. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said to you that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. I like the fact that he uses these personal pronouns here. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an influence, though his person does influence people. But he is a person. He is a divine personality. Amen. And because he's a person, he naturally communicates. He natu it's natural for people to speak. I said last week, as soon as a baby's born, I mean, as soon as the doctor pops the baby on the, on the behind, that baby starts speaking. And you know exactly what he or she is saying. He or she is saying, I'm cold, don't mess with me. I don't like this. What do you think you're doing slapping me on the rear? And besides that, straighten me back up. I don't like me hanging upside down anymore. <laughs> Amen. Ch living people, people speak. Unless there's something wrong with them. A person that never speaks, something's wrong with them. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit speaks. He said here over and over again, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will, he will guide you. He will speak what he hears. He will tell you things to come. He will declare it to you. Sounds like a person. And it sounds like it's, it's someone that we can count on communicating to us. So if you're not getting communications from the Holy Spirit, guess what? The problem, problem isn't, in on, isn't on his end. He's not mute. He's not tongue-tied. He's not inhibited. He's not bashful. He is trying to communicate to all of his children. Amen. So are you listening? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to what he's saying to you? Well, praise God. He is, he's there. Hallelujah. Like I said, most people expect him to speak somewhere out in the natural world, but that's not where he uh, lives in relation to the believer. Now we understand that in, in one sense, because he is God, God the Holy Spirit, he is uh, omnipresent. We understand that. He is everywhere. But as it pertains to Christians, he is uniquely in us. Before you were saved, the Spirit did not live in you. It was only after you were born again that the Spirit took up residence in you. Isn't that right? Look at, uh, 
Look at John 14 again. We're here in the 16th chapter. Look at the 14th chapter. The spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive. It's obviously the world doesn't have the spirit. They can't even receive the spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Well, the will be in you referred to the time after Jesus went into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of believers. Since that time, our bodies, 1 Corinthians chapter six says, our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that two different times in in 1 Corinthians, in the third chapter and in the sixth chapter, he, he makes this statement that the Holy Spirit's in us, but both times he says, do you not understand they must not have understood. We, we say that to some, sometimes to people that, that or ought, to, ought to understand or ought to know something. It's, it's, a, it's an, uh, a figure of speech that uh, is designed as somewhat of a rebuke. Don't you understand? Isn't that right? That's what the, that's what the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul twice In chapter three and in chapter six, he said, don't you understand, do you not understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? It tells me that there's a tendency for Christians to forget that the Holy Spirit is in them. And there's plenty of anecdotal evidence all around me that, and, and, uh, imperial uh, 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 evidence all around me, experiential evidence all around me that people forget that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. He's on the inside of each one of us. Glory to God. That's good news. Well, he said he would speak. Well, Well, how, where does he, first of all, where does he speak? Well, where is he? Out on the highway directing traffic? No, he's in me. He's in you. I was thinking of, of, of an absurd uh, illustration. And I have Robert and Annette here to provide the, the opportunity. Now, Robert and Annette own Butler Plumbing, small business owners. And they work in an office together. Sometimes Robert's out of the office, but a lot of times he's there. Now, let's just, I'm gonna create a, a scenario. Annette's gonna go home and she's planning her day. And, and so in the morning she gets up and she's planning dinner that night and she wants to make a salad. She looks in the refrigerator, she's out of lettuce. And so it's her intention to leave work and go uh, into to town and buy some lettuce, you know, when she gets off. But then as the day progresses, something happens and Annette realizes she is just swamped. She's got this accounting problem that certainly come up or something and she's gonna have to work a little later than she normally does. And this happens to Pastor Angela all the time. She'll say, I, you know, I'm gonna be down here for a little while. Fix yourself something. <laughs> and usually she's already fixed something. There's some leftovers and so. Uh, but, but Annette, she says, Robert could leave here and go to the store 
and, and you know, he may, let's say Robert's across town. And she say, you know, he could, he could uh, on his way home, just stop right by Publix and pick up some lettuce. So how is she going to communicate that to him? She, early in the day, she starts thinking about this. And so she, she takes an empty lettuce wrapper. You know, the, the little bag that the lettuce hearts come in, you know, those, what is it, kind of lettuce? Romaine hearts, that's what Angela buys. She takes an empty bag and puts it on the seat of his truck. Because he gets in, there's a hint. I need to buy lettuce. Not only that, she sends uh, Mike back there to, to, to Robert's job and she calculates where he's going to be leaving from coming their way and the mileage on the trucks because they have this figured out. So she calculates how, many ga- how much gas he needs to get to the supermarket. She drains his tank of ju- of ju- and leaves just enough gas and she fools with the gauge so he doesn't know it. And she fixes the truck so that he's driving down the highway and he runs out of gas right at the supermarket. The car starts sputtering and he pulls into the parking lot and there's Publix. He's got a bag on the seat, empty lettuce bag. Now he don't know, the gas gauge looks like it's fine. Why is the car? So he pops open the hood and on the top of the air filter is a eight by 10 picture of a salad. Now, would, would you think that Annette was using a lot of wisdom to try to get Robert to stop by the store by doing all of those things? No. You say, well, that's ridiculous. It's no more ridiculous than what people, uh, uh, what they believe all the time. That God's doing this, he's doing that, and that's how he reveals his will to me. I turned over here and tried to go that way and ran into a wall. I went this way and it didn't work out. God must be telling me to go that way. He sent that flat tire. Amen. He, he caused my, my records to be lost so that I, so that I uh, didn't, you know, it didn't work out for me. That's God. There's no more ridiculous than Annette doing. No, wouldn't, wouldn't the smart thing for Annette just to tell Robert, I want you to go by the supermarket and buy some lettuce. She knows him. They have an intimate relationship. They're together. She can call him on the phone. She can communicate to him. Why would she drop hints? God's not dropping hints about your life. God's not dropping hints about his will for your life. He's placed his spirit on the inside of you and his spirit is constantly talking to you. Well, is that right? Yeah, it it makes sense. I'm always amazed at how little sense traditions usually make. People come up with all kinds of ideas about God and they're the most ridiculous thing. When you get into the word, you find out how, how simple and straightforward and reasonable and, and, and logical the ways of God are once you know him and know the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we'll, we'll finish this next time. We're out of time this morning.
Praise God. Maybe tonight, I don't know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God has a better way. He leads by his spirit. He speaks to you on the inside of you. We'll, we'll look at this tonight or next week on exactly how he speaks. What, what does it sound like when he speaks? How do we know when he's taught? Well, it's not that difficult. In fact, it's not difficult at all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God's good, isn't he? At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.